0: Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Gabriel Talks Football. Greg will join me momentarily. I just wanted to uh, offer up uh, a pleasant uh, a Memorial Day to everyone who follows us at the barroom and just everyone in period, and uh, to remind people that this is a very special day that we celebrate uh, our fallen and their families, the Gold Star families. Uh, so one way we can do that uh, is not just by having great cookouts, but uh, but we can uh, send a donation over to the USO. For $29, a donation to the USO will help uh, Gold Star families and uh, send care packages to current troops uh, who are out there fighting for freedom. And a uh, like I said, a $29 donation uh, at uh, uso.org forward slash t shirt will get you to the link where you can make a donation and receive a uh, a free t-shirt. So I would love for you to uh, do that during the course of the week, and uh, with that, I'll uh, bring in my good buddy, uh, Greg Gabriel. Uh, Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. 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 Wonderful day out. It's going to get a little hot. Yes, it is. So did you do your workout this morning?
1: Yes, I did. All
0: right. (laughs) This guy's so reliable. It's unbelievable. All no,
1: right. they and I have to go in later because it on weekends and holidays they don't open till seven. I like getting there at six, but mm-hmm. I had to go at seven.
0: Oh, jeep! I was uh, just waking up at around um eight. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, just
1: getting back home at eight. <laughs>
0: there you go. I gotta get into a workout routine. yes, uh, it's, it's something, uh, something's. I need I need some motivation you know send me a, wake me up every morning <laughs> when you're at the gym and say get your ass up <laughs> note, no,
1: note the motivation is the motivation is that you try to just keep doing it every day yeah you know and, that, and then you're gonna get pissed off at yourself if you don't
0: yeah so yeah.
1: And, and a lot of times I'll take one day off a week so I'm lifting because I lift each time I go so that's lifting six days a week but now I've gone, Eight days in a row. Mm-hmm. So, and and I want to, you know, I'll continue that. And then, when I I haven't played golf yet this year, but when I start playing golf, then obviously I'm not going to lift on the days I play golf. So,
0: how often do you play golf nowadays during the course? Not days?
1: not as much as I like to.
0: Yeah, I agree. I
1: well, got too many aches and pains from <laughs> my younger days that you know doesn't always make golf an enjoyable experience.
0: Yeah. My wife and I live, uh, literally two, three, uh, city blocks away from in, here in the suburbs, away from Nickel Knoll, uh, where, uh, Walter Payton would, uh, climb that hill and there's right. a, a plaque and uh, memorial there for him. And so we're planning on getting out there, uh, two or three days a week, uh, early in the morning, play nine holes and then, uh, get back here into the air conditioned (laughs) all right we got a special uh show planned uh we're going to begin a series of uh uh, training camp uh battles but before we get uh, and discuss the players involved and and get greg's thoughts on potential uh training camp battles but before we get uh to that i wanted to ask greg about his thoughts on nick Foles being signed by his good buddy uh chris ballard uh, of the indiana uh, indianapolis coats what do you think greg you know, I, I
1: think that's a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's He's going to know the terminology. Now, the offense isn't the exact same thing they were running here the last couple of years. It's got bits and pieces of it, but, you know, Frank was a offensive coordinator with the Chargers for a number of years, and then he went to Philly, and from Philly he went to uh, Indianapolis. But he goes back, and, and remember when he was the backup quarterback to Jim Kelly in Buffalo? And they have the old K Gun offense, the real fast paced offense that got to four Super Bowls in a row. There's a lot of K Gun type things that go on in that offense at at um, Indianapolis. So, but but I think you know that'll be a good place for Foles. Uh, he has a good relationship with Frank. Um, there's no real pressure on him. And they, it gives, I, I think he's a quality backup. So I think, you know, it, it gives them a quality backup if something happens to uh, Ryan.
0: Right. I think it's also a signal that they are really, really going to go for it this season. They don't want, if there's an injury with the veteran quarterback that they picked up to be their starter, Matt Ryan, if there's an injury, they don't necessarily want to risk bringing in Sam Ellinger, who is a good uh, developmental prospect. And uh, from reports that I've read, they really like him a lot over there, but they'd rather go with a veteran uh, like Nick Foles in case they need a spot starter or somebody to finish a game is that your uh, feeling as well
1: yeah i think so and i also think that you know come next april they may be looking to draft a young guy too mm-hmm. you know because they've gone with the older vet now between Philip Rivers and then Wentz and now Matt Ryan you know they've invested in in veterans and it's it's time to bring in a young guy, but when you're drafting where they are, it makes it very difficult unless you get lucky.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, well, we'll see. I think um, I, I think the Colts are primed for a, a very serious run at the at the uh, Super Bowl. So uh, they've got all the weapons they need, in my opinion, and they've done uh, Ballard has done a sensational job over there.
1: No, he, he, he does a great job and, and, uh, but he's got a real good staff and he works real good with Frank. So their relationship is superb. And, uh, that, that's half the battle right there. You got to have a good relationship between head coach and GM.
0: Yep. There you go. All right. Let's turn our attention to the Chicago bears and, uh, the camp battle, as I mentioned, I'd like to start with the safeties, uh, Greg, you know, um, they brought in a kid from Charlotte university named John Alexander. There isn't a lot of information on John Alexander, but uh, over at the, in fact, uh, the bio at the Chicago Bears.com website doesn't have any information on him at all, but over at the Charlotte, uh, uh, uh uh, website it it says that he was uh, enrolled in the spring sem sem excuse me spring semester of January 2021. He had come from Kansas State and played JC football prior to that. He had uh, played in nine games with eight starts and made uh, quite the impact there in the short amount of time. He had two ta- two tackles for a loss. He had uh, two interceptions, two forced fun- fumbles, blocked a kick. Uh, so uh, he's an intriguing prospect, would you not say? Yeah. yeah,
1: well, put it this way. Every year, there's going to be three or four undrafted free agents that come in and make the 53. Now, they might start off on the practice squad and then come up after a few weeks up to the the big roster, but it happens year in and year out. It's just who are they? And it's the guys that really jump out at training camp, and it's really this part of the year too, during OTAs. and. And mini camps, etc. And reality is, wide receivers and defensive backs get more work than any other position, and the quarterbacks obviously, uh, because the linemen can't do any contact, but you can do one on ones and seven on sevens with the DBs and the wide receivers. So they they get a lot of work. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we don't get a chance to to see, you know, who's who. So it'll be. Summer before we can figure it out. But I'm going to tell you what, even if he does make it, there's some pretty good people in front of him. And and when you look at that, uh, I I had his name down and then another uh, free agent who's a safety, AJ Thomas from Western Michigan. But still, you know, you got to think they're going to keep between nine and 10 defensive backs. Um, So it could be five corners. Five safeties, five corners, four safeties. You know, depending on on who the best players are, who do, can play well on special teams. So you look at the Givens and the Givens are Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, uh, and they picked up Dane Kruishank in, in um, uh, free agency. He's going to be the dime back, and what that means is he comes in and actually when they play with one one linebacker, so it'd be a four one five defense or I take that back four one six one six defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, his job is basically cover man to man on the tight end, but he's also playing that like inside linebacker role. And he's big enough and strong enough to do that. He did an excellent job over the course of the last two seasons for the Tennessee Titans doing that. Um, then, you know, we know DeAndre Houston Carson really, really well. Uh, very good special teams player. Probably played his best football from scrimmage last year. Um, oddly enough, he's the oldest defensive back they got at 29 years old. But, you know, he's a guy who came from a smaller school and just starting to come on and come into his own. And then there's an interesting rookie who was drafted later, Elijah Hicks, who really hasn't been able to do much yet because of a, a foot injury. He's sustained late but he'll, he'll be ready to go at camp. And this guy's got experience on the corner and at safety. He's got great ball skills. He's aggressive. Come up and hit you. He can support the run. Good tackler. A uh, lot of range, you know, coming off the hash and getting to the sideline. So, I mean, you got five guys right there. And unless and, and they say, hey, we're going to move on from Eddie Jackson, and I can't see that happening because of the cap hit that you would take. So, mm-hmm. You know, for, for a young guy, an undrafted free agent, to jump in above those guys, that's going to be a hard job for anybody. To yeah. do. I don't care, you know, regardless. Of the you know, Overall, I think the secondary is becoming a, a strong point on this football team.
0: I am with you. This is the best uh, the, the safeties room has looked to me in a few years since the days of me perhaps Adrian Amos being on the team. Uh, You've got some hitters here. And the reports of Brisker at uh, these uh, OTAs has been sparkling. I mean, he's uh, punching the ball out, creating turnovers. He's totally in tune. We've heard him in interviews talk about how he wants to be a leader on this team. There's character uh, on this team, and there's potential as well. Guys like you mentioned, John Alexander, uh, even Elijah Hooks, perhaps uh, A.J. Thomas. These guys – they may not make the roster, but they're great candidates for the practice squad, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it get, again, it, it gets down to the number that you're going to keep on the squad. And that there's no, you don't go into a camp saying, okay, we're going to keep four safeties, five corners, six linebackers, et cetera, because y- you want to keep the best 53 guys. Okay. And then – The last five or six slots on your team, those Mm -hmm. are special teams guys. Mm -hmm. There could be a player, and this happens every year, that, you know, he may be the number six corner, but he's the best defense. He's the best cover guy they got on teams. Mm -hmm. Well, he's going to play because he covers, you know, the special teams value over, over, his ability to play. Now, you don't want to get him in a game because of that, but he, if, he, if he produces on special teams, then he's well worth having on the squad.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to get
0: back to Alexander just for a moment. Uh, Nomad asked, do you read anything into the fact that um, he was signed for a, a three-year deal, or, or are most of these uh, undrafted free agents signed for those kinds of contracts with the little or nothing guaranteed?
1: Well, yeah, th- th- they do a three-year deal, so the uh, cap number on the signing bonus is a little bit less, but then when you cut the guy, you you take the whole hit anyway. Gotcha. But that that that's the reason for it. It it that's typical. Then they they're playing three years where the rookie, the drafted rookie signed four year contracts, and that that there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's a four year contract.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the undrafted, you can sign them to two year deal. We used to do a lot of two year deals, but now. Pretty much uh, around the league. It's a three year deal, and then they become an RFA for a year.
0: Hmm, okay. Um, the other thing about Alexander, man, the size on this kid, 6'3, 210 pounds. I mean, that is a, uh, a strong safety body, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, but, you know,
1: reality is, though, Aldo, is that the big box safety, No, that, that, 10 years ago, that was the guy you wanted. You, you don't necessarily have these guys. Got to have cover skills. And that's why wow. Khrushank – now, Khrushank's about 6'1", 6'2", and 210 yeah. pounds. Yeah. But he is strong enough and physical enough, explosive enough, to be able to play that linebacker position when they're playing six DBs. Mm-hmm. And, and he plays a run good enough, but his man-to-man cover skills – when he's put on a tight end now, he shut down two of the better tight ends in the league at Tennessee late in the season. And one being uh, Kelsey with Kansas city. So, you know, he's a valuable addition. It didn't cost him a lot of money. You know, he wanted an opportunity to become a starter, but then, you know, brisker became available. And when you're signing guys in free agency, you don't know exactly what you're going to get in the draft. Right. And so, you know, the brisker became available and they just took him. And so that might, hurt crew shank's overall play time, but uh, that's still me. He's still going to be a valuable part of the team. And he is, uh, has a history of being a very good special teams player also.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and all of these guys with the exception of, eddie jackson bring some wallop with their hitting um and and that is something that i love in defensive backs the safeties uh that you know instill fear and wide receivers going over the middle uh keep those wide receivers heads on a swivel uh these guys can all bring the hurt uh even uh, guys like aj thomas and bo pete keys and frankly i haven't seen t- uh, tons of tape on them but what I've seen and read, uh, these guys all, can all pack a wallop. They're they're good, hard-hitting safeties.
1: And I'll tell you, because we talked about this during the season, late the, the last third of the season, maybe quarter of the season,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Eddie Jackson played a lot more physical or better physical football than he had done in True. the earlier part of the year. Yes, you know. So, and and now with this new scheme, new coaching staff. Uh, you know, maybe we're going to see the Eddie. The hope is we're going to see the Eddie Jackson that we saw early in his career, yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, this, uh, uh, the framework of this cover to defense as well as anybody, and uh, so. Talk to, to us a little bit about the importance of the safety role in this defense, and with what you've learned about what Ibrflus is going to do and take in terms of taking it from Lovey's 1.0, as you put it, to the 3.0. Uh, what, what are some of the changes we might see with the safeties?
1: Well, the first thing is that when you say Tampa 2, it's really a misnomer because when you say Tampa 2, you're saying you're going to play cover 2 when that's predominantly a zone defense. Mm-hmm. They, it's not true. He's not. Uh, Fluce runs a lot of man coverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you can have man underneath and zone deep. You know, you can mix things up. You can be man on one side and zone on another side. Uh, but the safeties are an integral part. They got to be very instinctive. When I'm watching tape of a safety, that's the first thing I'm looking for. Not necessarily the physicality, mm-hmm. the instincts. How quick does he react? To both run and pass, and and as he late picking up a receiver, you know that that's gotten by the corner, and he's got to uh, make the deep play. Those types of things. So, uh, Eddie, for the most part, is a pretty instinctive safety. And you go back and you look at at uh, Brisker on Penn State tape, very good instincts. Uh, Krushank's got very good instincts. So I, I I think that's the most important thing, but to compare it to what we did with lovey the the safety position was very very good bobby de was our pro director he used to say you know in this defense we used to have to have two pro bowl safeties for it to play right because everything was geared up towards the center of the field or the center of the defense really you had the uh, the will linebacker the three technique the the and the safeties were the important guys um this defense a little bit different and and flu says that you know his third most important guy is going to be the slot corner and we'll get to those guys in a minute
0: yeah it's uh it's fascinating well let's let's turn our attention over to uh the cornerbacks oh by the way uh cornelius has a good question here he asks is the cover two uh, an easier defense for the secondary to play
1: well If you're playing just zone, but they're they're, they're mixing up coverages. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, like I just said a minute ago, the cover two is a misnomer. A lot of it's based on, you know, how they, the front seven, and it's really not a front seven anymore because most, everybody's playing nickel, uh, you know, 85%, 80, 85% of the time. So really it's a four, two. Uh, but it's how you line up that, that front four, the position that they're taking. The nose is not a pure nose, so you don't need that big 330-pound, 330 335-pound nose tackle playing over the center, head up on the center. No, they're playing in the gaps. So, uh, And you need speed coming off the edge, guys who can rush the passer. That's their main job. Get up field, rush the passer, be disruptive.
0: CJ asks, uh, when they refer to landmarks, are they talking zone?
1: You know, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know if I can answer that
0: one. Yeah. We'll do some research into that, CJ, and we'll, we'll talk about it on ne- next episode. Uh, and if you've got a, a sample of how it was used when you he- heard it last, that that would be helpful. Thanks, CJ. All right, let's turn our attention to uh, cornerbacks. Um, it's a crowded room. Uh, Kyler Gordon, Thomas Graham Jr., Allie Green the fourth, Lamar Jackson. No, not that Lamar Jackson. How many times has he probably heard that? Jalen Johnson, Michael Joseph, who is now approaching 30 years old. Man, this guy has been with the Bears for a long time. Duke Shelley, Greg Stroman Jr., Kendall Vildor, and Tavon Young. Uh, tell me what uh, your uh, overall observations of this CB room.
1: I, I think it's a good group, and and it it sounds as if they're cross training a few guys. Now I know that Tavon Young is predominantly a slot. He's a very good slot, but I've seen games where he's played outside, where he's had to play outside because of injuries. Uh, not the ideal height. He's a just over five foot nine, uh, but he does have some length. He's got long arms, uh, but. In today's game, you'd rather have taller guys. Now, the starters going into the year are going to be the, you know, the uh, first pick for the Bears, Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson. And before you even ask the question, don't – I don't read anything into uh, uh, him lining up with the second unit. It, it, it's like you haven't been here every day, so you're going to run with the zoos. There you go. And it, it, no big deal. Uh, I, I, I think the – the guy who's gonna be the odd man out, and I've never been a big fan is Duke Shelley. And I just you know, I just don't like little corners. And he's a little corner. Okay. Uh, and, and and that's my own prejudice, you know. The the coaches staff may like him, but you go back at Indy and they had bigger guys. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't they would not draft a guy shorter than I think they drafted one guy who was under the, the line because he was really good, but their cutoff was five ten and a half, mm-hmm. and you know to to draft a guy now, then you can come back and say well, why they signed Tavon Young? Well, because Tavon Young is has, has proved he can play in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Free agency is different than than the draft, uh, but if they keep five, I got the five right now: is Jalen Johnson, Kyler uh, Kyler Gordon, uh, Tavon Young, Thomas Graham, and Kendall Vildor. Uh, with Duke Shelley and Michael Joseph then being the the odd guys out, and you know Shelley's strictly a, a slot guy, and I I just think you know what teams do when you get a little five foot eight, five foot eight and a half slot like that is they put a tall guy in there and create a mismatch problem, mm-hmm. you know, and and Green Bay used to do that a lot is is put when, when Adams was, was generally an outside receiver but they'd line him up in the slot to create the mismatch if he had a, a real short slot corner. Mm-hmm. Now Graham that during the, the uh offseason program OTAs he's worked in inside and outside. I mm-hmm. think they're trying to they're, there's got to be somebody who can do both mm-hmm. because of injuries and I, I as I mentioned before young can play inside and outside. Gordon's going to be an outside guy. Jalen Johnson's going to be an outside guy. And I think Vildor's another guy that they're cross training and, and let him work both inside on the slot and then outside. And yeah, we, you know, because I just said, don't make anything of Jalen not starting last week in OTAs, but who was starting and that was Vildor and I'm still high on Vildor. I don't care what happened yeah, me last year. Uh, and one of the reasons is he's a pretty damn good press cover guy. Mm-hmm. And they're going to play a lot of press coverage here. So um, that's playing to his strengths. Mm-hmm. As far as these other guys, you know, uh, Stroman and Ellie, Ellie Green's just not fast enough. I think Ellie Green was a four, seven of his pro day. I don't know much about Lamar Jackson or, or, or Stroman, you know, like the guys we talked about at the safety position, they got to jump out now during OTAs and uh, the upcoming mini camp. And then at training camp, you know, they, they can't afford to get beat. They got to make plays day after day after day. And that's going to get them noticed by the coaching staff and the personnel staff.
0: Yeah. Somebody uh, is wondering uh, – uh, S. Schroeder is wondering if I used the same picture for Kendall Vildor and Greg Stroman. No, that is a picture of the actual Greg Stroman who played, I think, three seasons with the Washington football team, now known as the Commanders. Um, and uh, let's see if I've got a- – like had
1: a Colt jersey on there.
0: Yeah, it does, right? That's why I double-checked to see what his bio is, career stats – uh, but no, in uh, his rookie season, he started three games for the Commanders, played in 15 total. Uh, and uh, and then in 2019, his follow-up year, and in 2020, he saw very, very little action. So uh, he might just be a camp body, but uh, clearly, I think maybe he has played a little bit with the Colts, and it's not listed in the... Uh, the Bears website because that clearly does look like it goes. Sure. The
1: uh, Michael Joseph is a guy that you know. I thought maybe need a year on the practice squad and then he's going to make his way up to the varsity. Uh, he went to a Division three school, but he was good enough at that Division three school to get his, himself invited to the Senior Bowl. He went to Dubuque. And I don't know if it was Dubuque College or University of Dubuque or whatever, but, you know, the, the competition that he played against was not very good, but he had the athletic traits. He's tall enough. He's got some length. He's fast. He's uh, got great change of direction. And he, he flashed in training camp. So you thought, okay, give him a year on the practice squad, and he's going to improve, and then we're going to see if he's, he's actually a player. But now I think this is his fourth year he's been here, and that really hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm at, I'm at the point now where okay, look at you, he is what he is, mm-hmm. and he just he, you know he, he was good enough to to get the opportunity, but he's not good enough to take advantage of the opportunity.
0: Yeah a little bit about Lamar Jackson uh this guy was an undrafted free agent signed by the New York jets and in his very first season he started uh six games played in 13. I- I'm assuming he probably was a fill-in for some injury issues probably um, yeah and um uh and then in uh, the following year he played he was in the entire season uh, in their practice squad. Uh, so, uh, he, but he's, he's somebody who's now had some experience. He's had the opportunity to, to kind of learn on the practice squad. So he, he comes with an interesting background and obviously some tools to get a look at uh, here in Chicago. Um, I, 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 He's a guy that intrigues me and, I, and a guy I want to keep an eye on during training camp.
1: Well, really, although in my opinion, and I'm not really trying to argue with you to me, it's like, that's Michael Joseph. You, you know, Michael's played a couple games, gets brought up to the varsity because guys get hurt and he has to play a couple games. And the rest of the time he's on the practice squad. But sometimes that's as good as you are. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you don't have the ceiling to go beyond that, that practice squad type player. And I think Michael Joseph is twenty eight or twenty nine years old this year because he was a he was a twenty five year old twenty six year old rookie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when you look at it from reality, how much better is he going to get?
2: Yeah,
1: you know. And and now you look at the age too uh, of the guys that I think are going to be around. Jalen Johnson's only twenty three. Kyler Gordon's twenty two. Devon Young is the old man. He's twenty eight. Thomas Graham is twenty two. Kendall Vildor's twenty four. It's a young group. It really is.
0: It's a young group, and I, I, I think uh, the Bears organization has done a, a super job of upgrading the overall defensive backfield during this offseason. They truly were. I mean, when you look at the analytics, and if you watched every game like uh, all of us have, uh, that that group regressed uh, over the period since Vic Fangio left. Uh, they certainly regressed, and that's. I still feel pretty good about Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator, but uh, perhaps he just didn't have the the weapons and the uh, the tools to implement Vic Fangio's type of defensive backfield play uh, that uh, Fangio has made so famous in the NFL. Well,
1: I, I I think it might be a combination of both. He just you know he's not Vic Fangio, and he just might not been as good. And and don't forget before that he was. Uh, Uh, one of the DB coaches and, and and just, and I'm just trying to be realistic here. Maybe he's not as good as we thought he was going to be, you know, very, very smart guy. Uh, But, you know, I've been around some pretty good defensive back coaches Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is drill work and the footwork that you're, you know, that you're doing uh, so that they become these quick twitch type players. Mm -hmm. And you gotta have that. I I, and this group as a whole, I like it. Just remember, you know, going into the draft for weeks, I kept saying they have to get a corner.
0: Yes, you did. (laughs) And
1: and nobody, no. What do you need corner? You got Thomas Graham. No, you gotta get a corner. Yes,
0: indeed. I think if if anything that we've learned about this uh, new Chicago Bears uh, administration is, they really value having depth and having a competition. Now we've heard that of course, from Ryan pace and and others uh, uh, who have been GMs with the, with the bears, but boy, uh, it's, it's really refreshing to, to see, you know, the fact that many of these rooms are loaded with depth and competition. And so training camp uh, uh, is going to be a joy to watch. If we can get access uh, to the limited amount of tickets that uh, they have for, for camp this summer. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, overall, uh, do you – you probably haven't had a chance to compare this group with what the Packers and Vikings and Lions have, have done. Oh, we haven't,
1: we haven't seen them. So yeah. you, it's really going to be until we see them in games
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, once the preseason starts. And, and that will be interesting too. You know, you only got three games, and it used to be that you had – in fact, I don't know if you caught it. Did you see the, the the cut down dates and stuff that came out last week?
0: No, I did not.
1: Yeah, well, usually they cut down the week before uh-huh. the the start of the season. Well, there's there's a like a bye week in between the third preseason game and the start of the regular season. Okay, and you know it used to be you played the third preseason game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. or the final preseason game on Thursday, recall when they were playing four. And then you had, you know, the following Sunday, uh, you started the season except for the uh, Thursday night opener. Mm-hmm. And cut down was on Friday and Saturday, with Saturday being the main cutdown day. Well, they've switched that. Okay, so now the third week of the preseason, there's three games. Now mm-hmm. there's two weeks between the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the cut down is until the following Tuesday. Okay. Okay. So then you're going to have that week of practice, you know, t- Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll probably give them the weekend off and then you start uh, game prep the following week for your opening game.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: So you're going to have two weeks of practice with basically two full weeks of practice with your 53 and your practice squad. Now they'll be making some changes. Mm -hmm. And then, and and the big change, there's always a big change after week one, usually across the league. Uh, And it's not with young players, it's with older players. And the reason being is just the the contractual status of an older player. If a vested veteran is on the team for game one, Mm -hmm. his contract becomes guaranteed for the rest of that season. Even if he gets, you know, you cut him after week two, he's still getting his money. But if you bring him in game two, Mm -hmm. he's not on the roster game one. You bring him in game two. He's week to week, just like everybody else. That's
0: a nasty little uh, uh, aspect of the game that the owners got away with, with the CBA. Don't you think? I mean, it's
1: it's been like that forever, but really what happened? Oh yeah. For years. But, what happens then is that there's guys that there, – there's veterans who can play, but you just aren't having them on the roster on on week one. You're going to bring them week two. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not, and then you don't – and depending, they could be eight. a yeah, perfect, per, uh, perfect person is Peters last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought him in after game one. Okay, so now he becomes week-to-week. Week. He give a $4 million contractor over the hell they gave him, but he's not getting all that money unless he suits up and plays every week.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, explain to us uh, about the June 1st cuts and why there might be an influx of talent available after June 1st. How does that work?
1: Well, it's... It, it, you every team could designate up to two players with a post June first designation. So really, it's June second. Okay. Um, in in the Bears' case, I think it was Nick Foles and and Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you have the uh, that June first date is because now. You don't take the full hit on the remainder money; it gets spread out over two years. Mm-hmm. So the amortization of, of of any guaranteed money is is spread over two years. So there's a smaller cap hit this year, and and then another cap hit next year. Now, if 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 you just want to swallow the the fill on cutting a guy, you'd cut him before June first. Mm-hmm. But now you can cut guys at you know after June first. You're going to get hit with part of the guaranteed money and and bonus money for this year, and then the remainder basically gets split in half. The remainder uh, next year, and you know teams will wait. There's guys they you know they've designated their two, but there's others they know they want to get rid of, but they're going to wait until after June second. A lot of times it could happen. You know, you got two more weeks of the off-season program. You're you're done around the 14th, 15th, 16th of June. Uh, you're going to get done then, and then cut those guys then, and not bring them back five weeks later when you open up training camp.
0: So it, it's pretty safe to say that these are going to be the main competitors for, you know, for depth positions with the Chicago Bears. I mean, you've got your starters here, clearly, uh, both at the cornerback positions and safety positions, but uh, there probably will not be any additional notable names being added to the defensive backfield for competition. Is that kind of a safe assumption?
1: I don't know if it's a totally safe assumption because you can bring in veterans,
2: yeah.
1: excuse me, anytime up until camp starts and even during camp.
2: Yeah,
0: I guess. Uh, but
1: it, it it gets down to how comfortable, and again, at these positions and and throwing wide receiver, between wide receiver and defensive back, you're getting more look at these players than any other players and, and obviously your quarterback. And so – You've had, you know, nine or in the Bears case, two uh mini camps, so that's six practices, plus you got your nine or ten OTAs, and so you've had a lot of practices to get a feel for what these guys have. And and you know, they could say, you know what, we need another
2: veteran
1: Mm -hmm. or whatever, and at, at the end of that period, and then bring somebody. Sign somebody between the end of um, the final mini camp and another three weeks, or um, you know, between that period and the beginning of training camp at the end of July.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, uh, Nomad has a question. He says, "What positions do you think that might be addressed after June first? Do you think?" I oh,
1: have yeah, no idea. yeah,
0: I,
2: yeah <laughs>
1: because we don't know, and, and it's not that I don't know. It's just we don't know what they think, yeah. and they're not saying. Right. You know, everybody said thought they were going to bring in another offensive lineman. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They want. I I think the thinking is they want to get a pretty good idea who can play and who can't play. Mm-hmm. Now the, the 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 problem with the offensive and defensive line is you're really five days into camp before you can even have contact. They changed the rules on that too. Now, right. first of all, double sessions are back. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. But it's only one can be contact. Mm -hmm. And the other one's more like a, you know, a mini camp type Mm -hmm. practice. And you you can't have them, you know, a whole bunch of them, but you can have more practices. And that's important because there's a lot of this. This thing is metal and they cut down. You know, when I started in the league, we had doubles every single freaking day.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: Well, yeah, was, there, every, you know, the only time he didn't have doubles was the day before a preseason game.
0: Yeah. But, well, not only doubles, but back then, you know, uh, coaches and, and training staffs weren't too keen on liberally giving water to the players out there They're sweating a ton. And- well, you
1: didn't have an off-season program like you have now either. Yes. I mean, And, and part of double sessions, it, it, you know, it's, it's a tradition thing, which mm-hmm. is to get the guys back in shape. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now, you know, it's a 12-month-a-year job. You better be in shape. You better report in shape.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Jordan uh, is asking, do you believe that Lucas Patrick is is a penciled in with ink uh, at the center position, or might might they bring in a J.C. Treader and bump Patrick to the guard position?
1: I think the ink's even dry.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean-
1: yeah, you know, the uh- – uh I, if they were going to do it, they would have already done it. Yes, because they' the, the center position, even though it doesn't get the notoriety of, of say a left tackle,
2: mm-hmm. it,
1: that's the glue of the offensive line mm-hmm. And he's he's the leader of the offensive line. I cannot I can see him bringing in a guard, but I cannot see them you know moving uh, Patrick. Out to guard and then I, I gotta tell you, Dog and Patrick. There's a bunch of Green Bay games on the uh, NFL network in the last week. Yes. That's some bitch is a fucking player now.
0: <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. He's, He's got my, He's my French. <laughs> you yeah, know, well, this is like the HBO of podcast. You can you can you can swear all you want? <laughs> um yeah, I agree with you, and I, and they've started to develop a nice chemistry, Justin Fields and Patrick. If you heard Patrick at his press conference, the way he talked about glowingly, and, and you could tell it wasn't bullshit. He, he spoke glowingly of of Fields' strengths, you know, the long ball, how he plays so fast, his command of the huddle. Uh, he talked about how, how you know, he's, he's evolved, you know, to protect, protect them at all costs. There's a nice chemistry and bond developing there so why screw around with it you know um that right guard position is going to take care of itself there's a lot of depth the, the position i'm still concerned about is left tackle where are you greg with feeling about the left tackle now that tevin jenkins has sort of said that he, he's very comfortable with the right tackle position it's where he's played the most uh, recently um we're, huh, your dog just came in. Tell him not uh, yeah. everyone. He
1: decided, he decided to come in. I'm going to shut and, and get in his fort. I'm going to shut the door here. Just okay.
0: Second. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that is, that is the key question here is that left tackle position. I'd love to hear people's thoughts in the chat room about uh, – who the bears might be looking at the left tackle, particularly now that it sort of feels like Tevin Jenkins is going to be the right tackle of this team. Is Larry, does Larry Borum uh, make you comfortable at the left tackle position and some of these other names? Uh, We'll be talking more in depth uh, in a future show, but uh, share your thoughts right now about that left tackle position.
1: Well, I haven't heard any negatives, put it that way. And I'll tell you one thing that, that, that jumps out and, Remember we were talking about after Jimmy Arthur got hired as a strength coach and we talked about, you know, Jimmy Arthur follows the uh, Rusty Jones program and a lot of it's about body fat, body composition, muscle mass, et cetera. So fast forward to last week and, and they're interviewing Tevin Jenkins and it jumped out right at me right away. I've lost 20 pounds and and six percent body fat. Yeah, they're buying into the program, and okay. so now he's down to 24. Probably, ideally, you want him 23, 22, which shouldn't be that much harder to do. And if you look, uh, I, I was on the Bears website earlier, and they had uh, a bunch of pictures of guys. They've taken and they're certain, sur- and and Borum looks real trim. And and Borum got too damn heavy last year, and that wasn't his fault, that was on Juan Castillo. He got down to 320 for his pro day and then back up to 335. You're going to see him probably at around 315, 318. And I went back and I looked, and he played right tackle, but in his final. College season, so that's 2020. They played Georgia. Now all these guys on the Georgia defense have been first and second round draft choices, right? Mm-hmm. He shut them out. Mm. They didn't get a sniff. Yeah. And he went to, and he went often against the guy who was the first pick in this year's draft. Mm. And so, you know, it's a matter of getting your your footwork. But I think the sleeper here. I mean, and I'm saying this, I have no idea what the coaching staff think. Sure. Is that if if Braxton Jones and, and the line coach has already stated he's a natural pass protector, if he shows enough to be the starter and you got concern with the right guard, then I see no reason why they can't put more of him at right guard. Mm-hmm. Because you've got backup tackles, you signed Davenport, who's been a, a part-time starter and a backup, you know, throughout his career. He's not a bad player, you know. So you've got guys who can be swing tackles and everything else. You want your five best starting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I've thought that too, uh, Greg, and uh, so I'm glad that you're confirming my speculation that we might see. Uh, a right side of the offensive line with those two rookies from a year ago, uh, Larry Borum at the right guard and Tevin Jenkins at the right tackle.
1: Well, it's got to it's got to play out. We got to see what what, what they yeah. do in training camp when they actually are getting live, mm-hmm. because it, it's just right now it's more about assignments and and what they can do athletically, etc. But you're still not seeing the pads popping.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know what what is interesting about Larry Borum is that the body transformation that he did from the time that he played his final year in college to the time that he arrived at camp, he that at that during that period, he lost a lot of fat. He really trimmed down. And I'm sure that uh, this offseason, he's done even more work on his body. Um what what are, is there a huge difference between body types that you want from a guard and a tackle? And uh, if, if he if he doesn't know what position he's playing, does that hurt his uh, potential development?
1: No, and and again, I, I wanted to watch his tape from college because I want at three hundred fifty pounds. I wanted to see how good he moved, and actually, he moved pretty damn good because I I just didn't remember.
0: Right, right, and and
1: and. Uh, you know, he can get out in space. There's times he's pulled, and so now he's 350, 350 355, and he's doing this. And against the, the Georgia defense, I mean, Georgia beats him obviously, but like I said, he shut those guys down, and there's blocks that he had to do in space, and he didn't have a problem doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in this outside zone scheme, you know, there's going to be times when you got to pull, be able to adjust on the move. Uh, and, and make a productive block in space. I think he's well capable of doing it. You know, the, the inexperience is, is having not played inside, but he, you look across the league and a lot of your starting guards were tackles in college.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so,
1: you know, it's not like they had to play guard in college. Uh, there's some differences, but it's not a huge difference.
0: Uh, somebody's asked about Larry Boreham's arm length. Do you recall what that was? I can look that up.
1: Uh, it's like 33 and a half or something. But I'll, I'll tell you what. I Last year's arm lengths, I totally throw out. There was no combine. Okay. And we've talked about this. So it was who, whatever scout measured him at the pro day, and you don't know if he was right or, or wrong. Mm -hmm. you know, because of the the exact way you do it, where at the combine, you got the same guy doing it. It's done precisely. And so um, like, like uh, Jenkins had like 33 and a quarter, 33 and a half inch arms. You can look at him. He's got longer arms than that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, maybe it's because I got a trained eye and I've been doing this for as long as I've been doing it, but I can just look at a guy and tell you, you know, if he's got short arms or long arms.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I bet you can. It's like you know, somebody like me who's been in filmmaking a lot. We we see a little movie slightly different than the average person. And uh, in somebody in your business, I bet you, you can tell a lot of things in terms of uh, metrics and measurables just by looking at tape, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty oh,
1: cool. absolutely, and 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 like play speed, I. You know, I don't care if the guy runs four six or four four mm-hmm. when you're when you're watching him on the field. And Kevin White's a perfect example. Kevin White was a four three five. But you turn on the tape and he looks like a four six five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Probably uh didn't uh know the uh playbook as well and was playing tentatively. You mentioned oh,
2: exactly. You recently
0: exactly. mentioned Tajay Sharp, and that he plays faster than his four point five nine or whatever it is. Uh, that he plays faster than that, and I think that's an excellent example. Um, do you are, are you still holding out hope that a, a guy like Tajay Sharp could make this team? Uh, not that you're you're hoping for it, but that uh, that he oh, yeah. he's a good competitor.
1: He's he, look up pro football reference and see how many games he started. He started a lot of games yeah. you know, he's, I, no, he, and and he's caught a lot of balls. I mean, he's never had 50 catch seasons, but he's had a lot of 25, 28, 30 catch seasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's more of a role player and um he's a tall guy. And if he gets, he's going to be like they, they were in green Bay. He's going to want some tall receivers.
2: Yeah. Indeed. Indeed.
1: And right now, the only tall guy outside of Tajay Sharp, real tall guy, is uh, Equinemia St. Brown.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, nine receptions last season with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. He did have some injuries last season. Equinemia St. Brown is the type of player that, well, you know that Getsy likes him. And uh, that's why he's uh, with the uh, Chicago Bears.
1: We talked about this after they signed him. He, they signed him and Pringle. And if I recall correctly, it was like the same day. Mm-hmm. And it was right at the beginning of, of uh, free agency. Mm-hmm. And Getsy has worked with this guy every day for the last three years. He mm-hmm. knows what he can do. The Green Bay had an excellent receiving core.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. He just wasn't good enough to be in that top three, mm-hmm. you know, of that receiving core. But their top three was pretty damn good,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So I, yeah, I think that's a case of he just had to wait for his opportunity. So I'm, I'm thinking, and, and maybe it's wishful thinking, because I go back and I look at his tape at Notre Dame. he's a good football player. He was. And, and so I, I'm just thinking that now going into this year and that opportunity is going to be there. And, and I mentioned this before, you know, there's there's some competitiveness within the family. He's got more talent than his younger brother. His younger brother, uh, Aman Ra, St. Brown, caught 90 catches as a rookie last year for Detroit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, do you think that's sitting real good with Econemius right now?
0: <laughs> no, knowing how competitive that family is, that's, that's not sitting well. He wants to beat his brother. There's no doubt about
1: it. Absolutely. And and so I I, I just think that's going to be one of the surprise uh, players in training camp, that all of a sudden when it all gets said and done, it's going to be like, this guy could be jumping out. And he's the ideal him and, and Ty J. Sharp are, are the ideal X receivers in the scheme. Yeah.
0: What do you make of uh, there's a lot of national media people uh, uh, criticizing the Bears wide receiver room saying there are no. <laughs> there's well, no- they're
1: criticizing the whole roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> uh, nothing. In fact, I just did a podcast that came up today. Uh-huh. I, I recorded it last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what the, Ross Tucker made oh, a remark oh, on Twitter that, that, that I just didn't agree with. And Adam Rank and myself mm-hmm. both hit him. And, and I said, That's the typical national media BS, and they mm-hmm. don't understand. So Ross says, He goes, Well, what, what part of my, my question was BS on Twitter? And I said, Too long of an answer for me to put on Twitter. If you want to have a conversation, I'd be more than happy to. He goes, how about if you do a podcast? Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So it was Adam Rank and me taking on uh, Ross Tucker. And we we recorded it Thursday, but it, it just hit today.
0: Oh, we're looking for that. That is outstanding. And uh, Adam Reich might be a guest on this very podcast.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. He has agreed to come on. He's really a good guy.
0: Oh, yeah. Adam is a great guy um, and very funny. Uh, a lot of people don't know. He's uh, got a background as a stand up comedian. So. Um, All right, let's uh, knock out a couple of questions here. Jordan says that he believes Graham looks better in off zone, crashing down on pass plays and using his instincts. He has trepidation about his ability at nickel. Do you have any concerns about Thomas Graham uh, playing?
1: That's why you have practice. Um, Mm -hmm. He played outside of college. He's got the suddenness that you need to play inside at, at the nickel position. Mm-hmm. So that's, and he's got good ball skills. Again, go back to your, your college is college tape and he didn't play in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he opted out. And so, and, and that's what hurt him in the draft. Now he wasn't going to be a, a, a premium round pick, but he got picked a lot later than he probably than his talent said. Uh, because he opted out that, that 2020 season. Uh, But he's got good size. He's got good length. He runs well. Uh, His ball skills are excellent. He's aggressive enough. Uh, I know last year they had a problem with his, his overall practice habits, whether it was learning the defense or just his overall effort and practice. I can't tell you that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, we weren't, we weren't there watching every day, but, it's because of that that he was originally put on the practice squad and then didn't get an opportunity to play. Now, obviously, played well when he got that opportunity in the last few games, but that's still a very small amount of video to say, this guy's ready to play and be a regular in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. I like the talent. I like the talent when he was coming out of Oregon, mm-hmm. but – if there was problems with his practice habits, then that's a concern. Now, supposedly he's doing everything right, right now. So now we're just going to have to see, you know, it's like with a lot of these guys, it's wait and see, right. The the talent's there, Mm -hmm. but you know, most guys fail is because they don't live up to their talent level.
0: Yeah, the story I heard regarding Graham is, you know, he he missed, I think, all of his last season at Oregon because of COVID. Uh, Right,
1: he he opted out because of COVID.
0: And so when he arrived at training camp, he was really, really uh, not in the best shape and not really ready for for, uh, the faster pace of the NFL. And so he was cut and uh, he had long talks with Ryan Pace, and one of the good things that Ryan Pace did was sent him tape, had open communication with Graham, and by the middle of the season, the improvement was becoming evident in the practice tape, which gave him an opportunity to play, and in his very first game as a Chicago Bear, he did very well. So, Hopefully, uh, we will continue to see that progress in him. Um, so, uh, and, and Nomad says regarding Kindle Vilder, I think Vilder may be better off in the long run playing slot. I kind of agree with Nomad on this. I see I see Vilder uh, as a slot cornerback. I don't think Doug, uh, Duke Shelley is really the guy for that position. Although, um, if I remember correctly, Greg, his last. Three, four games. Duke Shelley played better, and I remember you actually pointing that out to me, saying uh, Duke Shelley. Yeah, but he's
1: still he's still a short guy, Mm -hmm. and I just and I know the staff doesn't really gravitate toward short guys Mm -hmm. because most of the defensive staff came was Indianapolis's last year. Um, I think you got to let it play out. Whether you know, I know Vildor. Can be a very physical man-to-man guy, and he's got good ball skills. I don't think he's as good playing off as he is just playing press man. So you know, again, we gotta we gotta watch it play out. And these guys, what they're doing in practice is they're moving them around. Mm-hmm. So right now he's he, or at least last week, he was the number one uh, corner on the outside. Him and 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 Kyler Gordon. So and then Jalen, uh, Johnson was, was running at number two. So last week he was outside. Now this week he could be playing inside, but I know they signed uh, Young because of, of his he's got a lot of experience and pretty damn good experience mm-hmm. as a slot corner. But you've got to have a backup. Mm-hmm. You got to have two at every of those positions, and you got to have guys that can play inside and outside. So if Vildor proves he can play both, that's great. If Graham proves he can play both, that's great. Then you got some valuable people. Yeah,
0: that uh, entire defensive back uh, room uh, is primed and ready to have some very competitive practices and and in a camp. Uh, I can't wait uh, to see how this all, whole thing turns out. There's talent here at the cornerback position. There's talent here at the safety position, uh, and a lot of it is young talent, so it'll be interesting. At the start of the show, Greg, you said that uh, there's almost no way that Eddie Jackson is not playing with the Chicago Bears this season, but you, would you be surprised if they moved him either via a trade or, you know, I, I thought they very much they'd cut him, but or maybe even lose his starting spot to one of these guys?
1: Well, I lose the starting spot, I think, would come before getting cut, only because I'm looking at the the cap ramifications, and yeah. I don't have it, you know, right in front of me what it would be. But I know, you know, he got a huge signing bonus when he signed that new contract a few years ago, and that all, if you get rid of him now after June 1st, some of it gets carried over into next year, and but and becomes death. Uh, dead money next year, but still, um, I he he's shown he can be a really good player. So I I, I think he's got to just uh, I'm not going to say that uh, you know it's it it's a question mark. He just got to prove to the staff that he can be a reliable, trustworthy player.
0: There you go. Greg, it has been uh, great to spend an hour with you on this Memorial Day. I know that uh, you're going to go out and have a good time now. Do some grilling, maybe. Uh, going go to a, a, a little celebration, Memorial Day uh, gathering. Yeah, yourself.
1: yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Enjoy. Hey, did you oh. see? Uh, did you
0: see Top Gun yet? No. Uh, have you? Yep. And your thoughts?
1: Freaking good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean,
1: a thousand times better than the first one, than the original.
0: I'm glad to hear that because I was not a big fan of the original. Okay movie, but I thought it was overblown to a
1: a bit. Well, there's a lot of computer simulation in the original. Right. are real planes.
0: I love that. Yes. (laughs) In
1: fact, I was reading the thing. It was costing them $11,000 an hour per plane rental (laughs) fee. (laughs) Wow, oh. <laughs> to, to uh, and, and that included the the Navy pilots uh-huh. uh, to do those scenes, film those scenes. Mm.
0: You know what is amazing? Uh, one of the reasons I I enjoy uh, Tom Cruise movies is because I know he does the vast majority of his stunts, and so he's really in the cockpit for a lot of these scenes. I've-
1: yeah, but he's in the back seat. Okay, so they're they're they're, they're using two seaters and and they can make it look like he's in the front seat, yeah. but he it was another, some reading I did after I watched a movie, oh, he was not allowed to touch a thing in those... Is <laughs> that right? You can, you can sit in the plane, but you can't touch anything.
0: <laughs> do you like him as an actor,
1: Greg? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I I enjoyed like the Mission Impossible movies and stuff. Yeah, no, right. I, I do. I've, I've met the guy, and, yeah. and the story goes is and I got a couple pitchers, uh our first Super Bowl. So that was Super Bowl 21 mm-hmm. uh, against the Broncos in 19 January 87. So um it was after the 86 season. Tom Cruise was the next door neighbor at that time of Chris Mara. Oh, wow. The, and oh. and Chris got- was on the scouting staff. Oh. So Tom Cruise hung out with all the scouts at that Super Bowl when he was at our post-party and everything else.
0: How cool is that? One of my my favorite uh, Cruise movies is when he played a high school football player in the movie called All the Right Moves. Have you ever seen that? Yeah,
1: in Pennsylvania it takes place. Pennsylvania coal country.
0: Right. A fictitious town called Ampipe uh, because it was named after the steel company uh, on that site, American Pipe. And so he plays a a safety who is headed towards a college football career, but it yeah. gets
1: Seven, you really wasn't <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right.
0: <laughs> uh, but there's uh, some good drama there, and, uh, and a couple of good love scenes too with uh, Leah Thompson, who was famous from the Back to the Future movies. But yeah, anyway, we'll uh, leave everyone with that. We got Greg's movie review; he gives it a thumbs up. Go watch Top Gun and. Uh, and for those of you interested in our programming here at the Barroom Network, we've got a couple of shows tonight. It is the Double A Team and uh, South Burbs Hitman, and then tomorrow Dan and Aldo uh, uh, bring their show at about eight p.m. Central. Tomorrow we'll be talking a lot more beers. So we're we doing uh,
1: another position
0: next week, then. Yes, let's let's uh, do offensive and defensive lines. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, brother. Have a great time at your gathering today, and uh, for all of us at the Barroom Network. Happy Memorial Day. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. See
1: you later. Bye-bye.
0: All right, where's my video? There it is.